What is up, guys? Welcome to episode number 147 of Beef's Beef. I know I put on that picture 148. It's my fault. I messed it up. My bad. But we are at 147. I'm happy to uh, to do this episode today. It's been a long time coming. We've been trying to work this out for a little bit. You guys have already seen who I have coming on today, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to intro them. Because when I don't do the intro, it means I can't talk about the people that sponsor me. First person I always got to mention whenever I do this sponsorship stuff because she's been sponsoring me from the very beginning when I started doing all the sponsorships is Crystal Lackey at Stockton Mortgage. Hit Crystal up for all your home loan needs, your mortgage needs, refinancing needs, anything like that. To get in touch with Crystal, you call her at 502-615-0743. Again, hit her up on, on the phone. Stockton Mortgage is an equal housing lender. That phone number one more time. 502-615-0743. Stockton Mortgage, MLS number 8259. Crystal Lackey, MLS number 1735979. And I got to follow it up with my guy, Isaac Thomas, over at Delium Clothing. It's pronounced Delium. I know it doesn't look like Delium. There's the shirt. Oh, yeah. Look at that. I even got the point right this time. Sorry, I swapped around. It was mirrored before, so my beef's beef would be backwards and all that stuff. But I wanted to make sure you guys could read all that. Look at that. Perfect point. You should become a teacher. But Delium, B-D-E-L-L-I-O-M. You can find him at Delium Clothing on Facebook and at Delium Clothing on Instagram. Delium is a men's and women's minimalistic brand that focuses on modern aesthetic and quality. Everything comes pre-shrunk. so. Big fellas like me ain't got to worry about when you put it in the dryer. You put it in the dryer, it's going to be good. And, again, you can find his clothing line at – it's out now at Hems Gentleman Boutique in New Albany, Indiana. Uh, so if you live out of town, I'm sorry. Look him up on Facebook or Instagram. Again, it's Delium, B-D-E-L-L-I-O-M Clothing on Facebook and at Delium Clothing on Instagram. Now, today I'm welcoming two uh, – podcasters, uh, meat smokers, uh, big global fans, uh, to the podcast, man. The, you guys know them as LJ the Fiasco and the Biggest Biscuit on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, they run the Crunch Zone podcast, which is actually the website that my guy Mark Blankenbaker that came on a couple weeks ago runs. So a little bit of a connection there. Uh, but you can catch their podcast. Uh, I believe it's weekly. It's the Crunch Zone podcast. You can get that on Apple and all that. I'll get them to plug it whenever they join in. But, guys, I hope you enjoy this episode. It's going to be a good one because these two guys are funny. Uh, anytime I hear them on the radio or hear them do their podcast, they're always cracking me up. So, guys, without further ado, LJ and Biscuit. <laughs> all right, guys, I'm here with LJ and Biscuit. How's it going, guys? Good, man. Good, good. Going good, man. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate you guys joining me. Like I was just telling you all before, man, I mean, I know you guys record on Tuesday, so the fact that you all would take out some time and, and hang out with me, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime, dude. I'm, I'm glad we uh, finally got to uh, – got on the same page and got to get together. Yeah, we're just going to recycle the same talking points, so it really doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I, gonna... I told our listeners not to listen to this podcast because we're just going to say the same stuff over and over again, Beep. Sorry about that, man. <laughs> it's, a, hey, it's all good, man. You guys are on here, so at least my people will listen to it. There you <laughs> go. So I want to I start off. I had uh, Mark Blankenbaker on a couple weeks ago, and you guys do stuff for uh, the Crunch Zone. 
So how, how did you guys first meet Mark? I guess we'll start with LJ here. Um, I had seen Mark around uh, via Twitter um, a couple times as the UofL sheriff. And um, it's a funny story because he has a picture of him with the young black little girl on his shoulders. I'm like, when is that his daughter? And he was like, no, nah, I think it was just a photo op that he took at the Sugar Bowl or something like that. And um, one of our old castmates, our podcast uh, guys, he invited me on the show and Mark was there. And um, it just kind of went from there. I had been talking to Mark. We kind of became friends. And when the opportunity came for me to uh, find another place to write and to join on, Mark invited me over to the current zone and the rest is history. And I met Biscuit, I, I think, uh, that summer. I met him, I believe I met him at the spring game back in 2016. But uh, it was a lot of beer that day, so I couldn't really tell you. <laughs> it was a lot of beer that day. Yeah, yeah, that much of, I do remember. A lot of beer. But I met Biscuit that day. And then when, when Mark brought us over, we had a powwow um, at Molly Malone's mm-hmm. in the Highlands. Um, excuse me, St. Matthews, and Biscuit was there. And, and now it's the Raven. Yeah, I made a family guy joke. He knew exactly what I was talking about. And I'm like, I'm going to get along with this guy great. And isn't, that, isn't that great, man? Like, you can meet yeah. somebody first day and make a joke, and you're just like, it kind of feels like that part of Step Brothers was like, did, you, did we just become best we friends? We just become best friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's my boy. Yeah, man. Um, Mark, actually, uh, I met Mark. I caught him stealing a lawn gnome off of my yard um, <laughs> about four or five years ago. And I was about to, to you know, beat him down. And and then uh, we started talking about U of L sports. And, and, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that story is true or not, but we're gonna go with it. It's true. I mean, Mark, Mark and I, um, you know, I, I had the same entree into the, uh, the podcast as LJ did, except um, just earlier. You know, I, I uh, our friend uh, Joe Kelly uh, used to used to write a little bit and did the, the Crunch Zone podcast for a while, and he introduced uh, me to Mark and. Uh, Mark and I, you know, we followed each other on Twitter already, and, and we had some kind of relationship at that point, and, you know, I uh, started doing the uh, podcast every week, and eventually I pretty much took over the podcast for a while there, and then, uh, and then brought, as LJ came in, and he was, uh, you know, we met, like he said, at a, it's, like, it's called the Raven now, but Molly Malone's, and um, LJ and I are pretty, uh, we're kindred spirits, man, we get, we, we got along pretty quickly, and uh, I knew that was a dude I could do a podcast with. Um, and uh, ever since, man, it just kind of went from there. LJ is a good buddy of mine. And, uh, you know, his dog likes me more than he likes him. So, it's a, you know, it's a great relationship. Speaking of dogs, we'll just let everybody know ahead of time. Biscuit's got a puppy. So, if you guys hear anything or see him messing around, he's messing with this dog. So Yeah. No, I got <laughs> – yeah, she just – she pooped behind my chair. So that, that's what I was <laughs> – I was looking around, yeah. like she's 95% body trained, but there's something on house sitting for my parents right now. There's something about this house that just makes her want to poop inside. So yeah. she literally uh, happens crapped. to the best of us, man. I've crapped inside yeah, a lot of times. Like two feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you yeah. would show attention to honey, maybe she wouldn't do that. Maybe honey was on her job. You know, she got the attention that, you know, well, this is not our podcast. This is beef fight. <laughs> hey, honey's here. Honey's fine. Hey baby, how you doing? doing great. LJ. Bosco Honey's doing got, great. Bosco just got taken out of the room by my wife because uh, he was <laughs> he heard your voice and 
start getting a little riled up in a bad way. So we just we had to get him out. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. So so how did Mark uh how did Mark get you to start doing the podcast? He just asked you to be on one day and he was just like, Hey man, you should be a co host. Yeah, I mean, you know, I subbed a few times and, and uh they had kind of Mark was trying to I think transition out of doing the podcast. Uh can you hear everything while I'm walking around? Oh yeah. yeah. Good. Okay. Um you know, he was trying to transition to more of writing and, and kind of get kind of loosen the reins on on some of the other stuff. Like, uh, you know, I was saying, revenge. Mike Lindsay had started the press zone, um, and you know, Mike has like seventeen kids under the age of five, so he doesn't really do it anymore. Uh, and uh, Mark was uh, starting a relationship. He's now to his now wife. So we kind of eased in and took over podcast brought on uh brought on lj and he fit right in um and that's kind of kind of how it happened nice. now we got two i don't want to forget chrissy banta who would have joined us but she uh i don't know man she's over like we like to say she's over flipping tires somewhere <laughs> typical chrissy so recently the the nba season ended uh and i lj i know i see you talk about uh LeBron and, and the NBA a lot. So I wanted to talk about something that was pretty big. Uh, we were going to talk about this last week, so it wouldn't be, you know, two weeks away. But I, trust me, we all have scheduling problems. So I wanted to talk to you guys about the, the – first off, the Lakers championship. And there's been a lot of talk on, well, they won this in the bubble. Does it really count? So what what do you guys think? And I'll, I'll start with LJ. Uh, do you, would you say that there is an asterisk beside this championship? And if if yes – why or why not? Absolutely not. I mean, you got to understand, like, these guys had, I think, about 15 to 16 games left in the 82-game schedule. They were on a break like the rest of the country, and then they were asked to come to a place in Orlando, Florida, for two to three months away from their families, away from the society, into a bubble, staying in a, basically a resort for two months, and playing basketball. Um, they gave us some of the best games we could also that we could all hope for. I don't think it's an asterisk. I don't think it would have made any difference had it been any home court advantage for either team. Uh, I think the Lakers were just on a, a mission ever since, you know, that trade today in January when we lost Kobe. I just think LeBron had it in his mind that he would not lose. And if that was the case, I mean, nobody expected the Heat to come out of the, the, the East. No. Nobody expected the five-seeded Heat to come out of the East. We all expected either the Lakers or the Clippers to come out of the West, but nobody expected the Heat. So they can't help who they face. I don't think it's an asterisk beside I think – um, it was some of the great basketball we ever had. I think um, it's the championship unlike any other. I mean, uh, is there an asterisk beside the Dodgers win last night? They yeah. only played, what, 60-something uh, games this year or something like that? Sure. I don't know. I watch that trash sport. So you, <laughs> you may know. I don't, you know, whatever. It, there's only two great days in baseball, and one of those was last night. The other game is like the half, the, when they take the break for the All-Star game, you know, when there's no baseball at all. But, um, no, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any asterisk beside it. Uh, I think the fact that they had zero negative, zero positive tests, uh, there's really nothing you can really say. I mean, what are you going to say that there wasn't a home and home? Like that yeah. there wasn't any fans involved? Like there's really nothing you can do or say in that moment because a win is still a win. It's still, it's still, a, it's still a win. So that's I my mean, take. I, I agree with you, man, because you, when, when you said, well, there's no home and home, so there's no advantage for anyone. Right. So, to me, I mean, I think on what's going to happen in this college basketball season, some of these big-time uh, programs are going to take losses to teams they shouldn't lose to because right. they're not going to have those home court advantages. And that's and we've seen that. 
Yeah, and and I mean that's I feel like that affected some of those big time. I, like I really feel like that may be why the Clippers lost. The Clippers, well, I mean, the Clippers having the Staples Center, I feel like would have helped them beat some of those teams. I don't, I don't know. There may have been a lot more turmoil in that locker room than what we really are are being led to believe. Well, beef. Let me well, that, throw this out there because I'm sorry, Biscuit. I know you're about to interject with something that uh, nobody cares. Yeah, go ahead. About. <laughs> um, oh yeah, just like uh, you and your opinion on baseball. <laughs> no, but, like, this whole thing with 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 the Clippers. Let's let's not forget that the Clippers were up three one. True. Just like Utah was up three one. That has nothing to do with you blowing a three one lead and no fans are there. You have to take care of business. You have the best team and what I consider one of the the top three players in the league in Kawhi Agreed. Leonard. Agreed. You're not supposed to lose that game against Jamal Murray and um, Jokic and whoever else they have on their team. But three one is three one. So. Um, you know, maybe Biscuit feels differently about it. We haven't really talked about NBA on our show a whole lot, but um. no, man. I mean, we we touched on it once or twice. Like, I, my opinion from the beginning is, is a lot like beef. Is that if anything, this was harder to win a championship as a one seed because they had no home court advantage. All right. A lot of the people that are trying to put an asterisk on this championship are completely just blowing by that fact. Like normally they'd have four games in the Staples Center in a seven game series. I mean, they could be. I don't know. It's just, it's a completely different thing. I feel like if anything, it was harder for a one seed to get through the uh, bracket this year than it would be in a regular year. I mean, look at what happened in the East. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you all feel about LeBron because I don't know you guys like personally, but I feel like it, it at any time LeBron wins, there's always going to be something that's going to be said that's going to be, that's going to lessen him winning a championship anyway, in my opinion. I mean, you take you take the three one. It's like, well, Draymond wasn't playing. It's like, well, Draymond's fault he wasn't playing when, yeah, when right. he went in Miami. Well, he teamed up with D Wade and Bosh, and now it's like, oh, well, he won it in the bubble. There's always an excuse for it, and that's what kind of where I get that as well. Is like the people that want to put that asterisk on it are going to put an asterisk on it regardless of whether it's in a bubble or whether they're playing the regular season anyway. Oh, he's got more like the derangement when it comes to LeBron. It's part of the reason, like, his haters are part of the reason why I became a bigger fan of his. You know, like, he, he – I always was a fan of his game, you know, but eventually, like, almost like counterbalancing all the just absolutely irrational hate for the man, you know, has made me be a bigger fan of his. But, like, the, the excuses that people will, will pull out of thin air uh, to basically minimize the accomplishments of LeBron is absolutely ridiculous. Look at nobody talks about how much the Warriors were helped out with injuries every single year they made the finals. Uh, I mean, Kawhi, you know, Jaja under undercuts him, and the Spurs when the Spurs were up 40 in game one, you know, and they uh they come back and win that game going away and, and end up sweeping the series against the Rockets. It took the Rockets missing 27 straight three pointers after having been the most prolific three point shooting team in NBA history and the Chris Paul injury. Yeah, for them to get past the, the Rockets that season. And then in the finals against LeBron the first time, it was LeBron and a bunch of uh, dudes from the island of Misfit Toys. I mean, it was Delvin Dova. You know, like, like I just – it's unreal the amount of injuries that have, that have helped the Warriors, but you never hear that. You never hear about that. But because it's LeBron, you hear about every little thing. Yeah. I mean, he took Timothy Mosgov to the finals. Yeah, he got him paid. <laughs> he took – Anderson Berger out to the finals, dude. Like, 
the 2015 Cleveland Cavaliers will always be one of those teams. Everybody's just like, wow, like they went to the finals. I would, I would go. I would go back even farther and say the 2007 yeah. Cavs. Let's go there. With two, uh, the, the 2007 Cavaliers. The Spurs. That was, it was us. It was us three and LeBron and Mo Williams. I feel like was their starting mm-hmm. five. Mo it, Williams. It was, it was so bad. And and you know, okay, you want to give uh, someone commented. My cousin actually commented and said, "No one gives Rudy Sogalskis his credit." That's fine. You can give him his credit, but that dude's still nothing better than mediocre at best. And give us credit as like a third tier NBA player. I mean, you know, like yeah. that was a ridiculous group that he brought to that 2007 finals and showed when he had to play against, you know, Duncan and Parker and Ginobili and Michael Finley. <laughs> I forgot Michael Finley was on that team. Yeah, man. man that he was, was uh, people forget the twilight of Finley's career. He, he had a pretty good second act with our third act with the, uh, with the Spurs. And, uh, he was on the 03 championship team, the 05 championship team, and I'm pretty positive he was on the 07 team. I could be wrong about that. But uh yeah. Yeah, he was he was a pretty good pretty good piece of those. So those let teams. me let me let me ask you guys this. So do you all think that this title or what do you think this title does for LeBron's legacy? I I'll be honest with you, I hate that he plays for LA just cuz I'm not I I'm a Lakers hater to be 100% honest with you, but I love LeBron's my favorite player of all time, so it's really tough for me to celebrate right. the fact that he won. Yeah, I I love LeBron, but the fact that he won in LA, like I, I can't cheer for the Lakers. I just can't. But uh, it's so it's been, I'm you, sorry. What do you guys? What do you think this did for his legacy? Because in my opinion, I, when he came back from three one against Golden State, that made him the goat. In my opinion, that was when uh, he took over the goat status. But I, my thing is, is I can hear arguments for Jordan, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to hear what you guys thought on what this championship does for his legacy. Well, with me, LeBron will always be in my top three, right behind Jordan and Kobe. So, uh, that, what did it do for his legacy? His legacy was solidified when you brought your team down from 3-1, like you said. Him winning a fourth title with the Lakers, you know, I don't really have any, any thoughts on that. I just think it's just another ring for the, for the trophy case for me. I, I, you know, he's already done things that no one has done. He's, he's inching closer. I think he's going to retire once he's the all-time leading scorer, once he passes uh, Kareem. Um, I think whatever he does, everybody's going to be trying to discredit. As you see, Paul Pierce, with every time he gets a chance to be in front of a microphone and have LeBron as a topic, he's going to discredit him. Um, so his legacy was solidified back in 2016, like you said. And I think he'll probably get a couple more championships. I don't know when he's going to quit, but I've always said he wants to play with his son. Um, yeah. I think when Bronny finally gets there, I think he'll step away. But look at LeBron. He's, what, 30, 35, 36? 35. He's 35. 35. He's 17 years in the league. His body is still the same. He's got – he's not had one injury that we know of. That I mean, he's last had, year. He had an injury last year, and that, which basically ended his, his season. But the guy just gets better. He gets better. He's got four MVPs, uh, 10 straight finals. I mean, that's unheard of. It's unheard of. And the so, thing is, is he has four MVPs, and just like you could argue for Kobe back in the day that he should have won more – we could we could have given we could give LeBron an MVP pretty much every season. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it, it's it kind of hurts him in the long run because he it's he's just like uh, Jordan. You could have given him the MVP every year. But I want to ask LJ: Is that top three your three favorite or your three greatest? That's my three greatest. My three favorite. Um, it, it Jordan's in there. Kobe was nowhere near my my favorite uh, when he played. And honestly, I'm I'm sad to say this, but I didn't really appreciate Kobe until he passed away. 
And that I, bomb, yeah, I'm, I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm 100% there. Like, I, I grew up – hey, I mean, I didn't grow up, but I watched the Lakers in the early I thought he was smug. I thought he was arrogant. I thought he was a gun. I thought he was a ball hog. I, I, I was loyal to Shaq. And when Shaq left, I was like, good, I can finally hate Kobe. And then when, you know, after I start seeing the greatness in Kobe and all the stuff, and then you hear the stories after he retired, it just ripped my heart out that I didn't, you know, I didn't give him his roses while he was alive, and I didn't appreciate it. So that's why I'm LeBron, because when LeBron is no longer playing, well, let me just put it like this, B, and Biscuit. We have been able to see some of the greatest players of our lifetime. We're yeah. fortunate. We got to see Jordan in his prime. Shaq in his prime, Kobe in his prime, LeBron still in his damn prime. We got to see Hakeem Olajuwon in his prime. Yeah, Duncan. Duncan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. I mean, we've gotten to see the best of basketball. So, uh, I, to ask me who my top favorite are, I, I can't really put that into context. But I really wish, I really wish I can go back and actually appreciate Kobe when he was alive and he was playing in his prime. See, I'm I'm in the same group because I was not a Kobe fan when he played. I just wasn't. He was kind of the antithesis. I don't mind. Like, it's not like I don't mind flashy players. He's just the antithesis of the Spurs. You know what I mean? Like, that basketball that I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I thought that he got an un- undeserved uh, reputation as a clutch player, in my opinion. I mean, when you break down the stats, they're always – the Kobe stands are always pointing to his uh, his clutch. Kind of lost you there, Biscuit. Percentage. Take I, think, I think your mic was covered up. Take your finger off the uh, – the, the. I'm not touching my mic. Yeah, well. Can you not hear me? We can. Yeah, you'll go you, – you went in and out right there. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't moved my fingers. <laughs> can you hear me now? Yeah, perfect. Yeah. All right, sorry, man. I've been running away from the dogs because they're making too much noise. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I thought that Kobe had kind of a – Undeserved reputation as a, as a clutch player, you know, when you break down the statistics, his statistics last minute wasn't all that great. Um, and LeBron's was better. Um, but eventually you have to kind of change your mindset. Like you can't view Kobe in a Kobe versus LeBron um, uh, dynamic just because Kobe fans tend to hate LeBron. Like, uh, just the ones that I know. Like, the, the, the hardcore Kobe fans hate yeah. that he's looked at as the, you know, second greatest player of all time or greatest player of all time when they think Kobe was the natural, you know, successor to Jordan. Um, but when you get down to it, like, I have all the respect in the world for Kobe, and I appreciate him a lot more now. Um, he's not in my top five. Uh, in fact, he's borderline top ten for me. But, I mean, he's a phenomenal player, a phenomenal competitor. Um, LeBron, if you have any, any lower than number two, uh, I think you're, you're crazy, but I'll hear arguments for Kareem to be above him. But for me, it's the Jordan LeBron discussion and I go back and forth. Like I think LeBron is overall a better player, but I understand the arguments for Jordan. Um, hard to argue against six and zero in the finals, but I feel like it's weird to me that if, you know, LeBron wins another title and he's what five for 10, in yeah. finals or five for 11 that he's going to be somehow discounted because he lost six times but instead of being given credit for getting there you know 10 or 11 times whereas jordan will get all the credit in the world for just being undefeated when he got there you know i, I feel like we have they, a weird way of looking at that I think the um, thing that gets me is they they never bring up the fact that he couldn't make it out of the first round until he got pippen either 
Right. That's like, the other, that's that, the other part. Like you, you but, talk about him being six and zero in the finals. Can't argue that. That's fantastic. And LeBron does have a losing record in the finals, but LeBron has never lost in the first round when he's made it to the playoffs. Yeah, it's exactly. the playoffs twice, but he's never lost in the first round. When they, uh, who was it? Um, who beat them in Game One? Uh, I forgot who beat the Lakers in Game One. You talking about this year? This year, Portland and Portland and Denver. Portland, Portland, yeah. Portland beat them in Game One. People were like, "Oh my gosh, his legacy is just gonna." He's oh, this is terrible. And then we saw what happened. Like, yeah. okay, I lost one. Okay, so, but I mean, they're always gonna find a reason to hate on that man. Uh, I, I I love LeBron not just for him being a player, but what he does off the court, uh, the school. The, the role model that he is, the person that he is, and I will always be a LeBron stan. Well, there's I'm no right. doubt. The man is a, he's, he's a force, and he's used his force and his money for, for positive change. I mean, you can't argue with the guy's results. It's crazy to think, man, because I've, I've been butchered so many times because I said the exact same thing you said, Biscuit, and I get killed all the time because I even say that I don't think Kobe is the greatest Laker of all time. And I still stand by that. And I, I really – I don't think he's better than Magic. No, it's Magic I, and I don't me, think, And personally. I don't think he's better than Shaq. Ooh. I don't – I would put Kobe as the third best Laker of all time. And people Bobby, kill me for him, that. Like all, all, kill me for that all the time. And it's not because I don't – I didn't like Kobe. Like, I legitimately think – like, to me, if Magic did not contract AIDS or contract HIV, like – he would be up there in the GOAT conversation, in my opinion. Yeah. That guy did things that no other person had done at that point. Yeah, Magic and, and Oscar Robertson, I feel like, are the two that get left out of the, the top-end conversation too often. But I actually got to see Magic. Oscar Robertson is more, you know, yeah. just watching film and, and, Cincinnati game. and knowing his impact there. <laughs> what would you say? I said watching Cincinnati games. Yeah, right. He's <laughs> him on the sideline. Big yeah. O, hey. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Magic was Magic was in his prime when he got when he contracted HIV. Um, it just it really does suck for him. But like you know, how many did he get? Four. He got four with the Lakers. Three or four, yeah, I think. Larry, it's four. Larry Larry Brown. Larry Bird got. <laughs> I can't remember who he got with the Celtics, but uh yeah that's man. Damn, I've never heard you. I've never heard anybody put Shaq above Kobe. So I, I mean I. That's the thing, man. Look at when they played together. Who won the finals MVP? It wasn't Kobe. It was Shaq. I mean, dude, you're not that's, beating that, that's, that's my That's been my argument the entire time. It's like, okay, so you think Kobe was better. Okay, even when Shaq left, he went to Miami. Granted, he had Dwayne Wade. He still won another title before you won one. So, and, and that's the other thing, man, is like I've lightened up on the way that I do talk about Kobe since he passed away, but I'm never going to step away from how I feel about his – talents or whatever like that's like i'm with you biscuit he's borderline top 10 he's i think i had him at nine the last time i did my list and, and that's the thing like it's I, funny. I had the him behind Shaq about, and magic the way the way you talk about greatest lakers though like it doesn't necessarily correspond with how they rank as greatest players of all time if that makes any sense like lebron is he might win another title there, but if he plays three or four years there, is he going to be considered the greatest Laker of all time? You know, see, that's a question that oh, someone God. asked me. He'll he may be the he'll, he'll, he'll be the greatest Kobe Magic and like Jerry West. You know, <laughs> he'll be the greatest player to put on a Lakers uniform, but he won't sure. be the greatest Laker. No, yeah, yeah. I feel I feel like there's a, there's a difference there. Yeah. So what you got, uh, Lee? I'm I agree. There's no way that LeBron's ever going to be considered considered the greatest Laker. I believe that. 
you know, you had to spend a significant amount of time with a certain uh, franchise. Like Kobe never played for anybody else. He didn't have to sell for three different teams. Magic never played for anybody else. Jordan yeah. was only – well, Jordan played for the Wizards, but we don't really count that. Um, that's the other so thing, that before we leave that. That's the other thing that no one ever brings up. Why does no one ever bring up the Wizards years? It was <laughs> his choice. To, it was his choice to come back. Him, uh, pinning, uh, who did he pin against the backboard? And what, the trail, Ron Mercer? The trail block. It was Ron Mercer, I think. Yeah, Ron oh, Mercer. Yeah. He grabbed That's it with right. two hands off the backboard. <laughs> How could I forget it was Ron Mercer? <laughs> because oh, everyone man. forgot about Ron Mercer because that dude just disappeared. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> I loved Ron Mercer. I can't lie. Like, the, those old Kentucky teams, I loved a lot of those old Kentucky teams, even though I'm a Louisville fan. But that yeah. dude literally disappeared off the face of the earth. Well, I'm glad you said that because, I, I mean, I get a lot of dirt, crazy looks. But the, 90, the 96 Kentucky Wildcat team, it's the greatest well, team ever be, assembled in college basketball. One of the greatest teams ever. Anton Walker, Tony Depp, Ronnie, Ron Mercer, Mark Pope. And I'm pretty sure I'm missing – they went to the, the championship the next year. They should have won it against Arizona. Gladly yeah, they did Because you, you had Derek Anderson hurt. Right. He, uh, yeah. he uh, tore his ACL, I think. Yeah. And, Derek Anderson was on that team. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, if J. Cole brings you up in a lyric and says, please, God, don't let me disappear like Ron Mercer, I think it's okay that I say he disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's okay. So, Where is Ron Mercer? That, think about that. It's like it's like Richard Simmons, man. What happened to Ron Mercer? Everyone's looking man, for Mercer was a Celtic, and that's the last I heard of him. He was just a Celtic. Rick drafted him, and that was it. Man, he, no, he for, no, 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 no. He played. For, he played for the Bulls. Remember? Yeah, I remember no, I playing for the Bulls. I see. <laughs> I, I remember him more playing for the Bulls than I do the Celtics. Because I, I remember, remember Rick did try to make that Kentucky North, but it didn't really work out too well for him. Oh well, you know. Um, Kevin McHale's not walking through that door, Brandon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Robert Parrish ain't walking through, through that door. If they do, they're going to be old and gray. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> it it might have been better than what they had if they did walk through the door. Right. Yeah, what, Robert Parrish still playing with the Bulls anyway at that point? Yeah, he was like, what, 70 when he got that last ring? So. Yeah, he was out there on a walkers subbing yeah. in and stuff. <laughs> the Chief, like, it all works yeah, out. The chief, the chief got himself a ring with the Bulls. It all works out. Hey, <laughs> so this past weekend, I feel like, man, we fully started to figure it out against FSU. You started to see glimpses against Notre Dame the week before. Right. Uh, I, the defense started to look better. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I, I felt like we needed that win. Both teams needed that win mm-hmm. a lot. And mm-hmm. Louisville came out. I'm not going to lie to you. When that first possession came and Jordan Travis fumbled that ball and picked it up like he was a Harlem Globetrotter and then carried it in, I said, this is about to be one of those games. Yeah. Um, me, we talked about this a little bit last night. We we all didn't know what to take uh, off that first drive. It was just like, oh, old bleep, here we go again. Yeah. But um, I think Louisville was just destined to have a game. They've been putting it together slowly in bits and pieces, like getting puzzle pieces and finding what's missing. <laughs> As Biscuit would say, whack-a-mole, um, you know, it's kind of like the old cartoon where the boat's sinking, you put your finger in there and another hole pops up and water's yeah. everywhere. And finally, this time, we were able to sustain all the uh, all the issues that we had, which weren't really a lot. Now, granted, Florida State sucks this year. Yeah. And they suck for a while. I'm not discrediting the win, but let's not act like it's the old Florida State that we grew well, up watching. Well, let's be honest, though. We didn't know really what to expect them right. coming off beating North Carolina. Uh, I know they didn't score at all in the second half. Trigger. Go ahead, Biscuit. But, I mean, they did just beat North Carolina. So, at, again, maybe it's not that great of a win, but you don't really know what you have because this season is so weird anyway. Yeah, I mean, I I can't figure out – and we talked about this last night. I can't figure out 
the ACC in 2020 at all. I mean, I can't figure out college football, but especially the ACC. And you can't figure it like from week to week. Uh, UNC will look like a world beater, and then they'll, yeah. uh, the, you know, they'll turn around and lose to Florida State. They're going to come out the next weekend and beat the hell out of NC State. Like, you just don't – you can't put your finger on it. Boston College will come out and look good, then look like one of the worst teams in the league the next week. Uh, Wake Forest, much the same. Vautech, much the same. Like, you just can't figure it out. And of course, we saw FSU play probably their best, definitely their best game of the year last Saturday before, you know, against uh, UNC. But at the same time, I, we talked about it last night. With, um, Mark Ennis made a good point last week. There was nothing about that win that was uh, replicable for them. You know, there was it was kind of fluky yeah. where they got a couple of turnovers in the first half. You know, North, Carolina, North Carolina at the same time looked – not themselves, uh, and you saw that in the second half where North Carolina outscored them twenty-one nothing. And if they had one or two things fall their way, they would have beat them. Um, but still, I think they found something with Jordan Travis. Uh, the only thing about it is he's kind of feast or famine. You know, he went what eight for nineteen against uh, North Carolina in a win which is on the surface terrible, but then you dig a little deeper and realize he averaged 24 yards of completion. Uh, so it was basically big play football, you know, it's either all or nothing. Uh, and he kind of exhibited some of those traits against Louisville too. But as we saw, he had as far as interceptions go. And I don't, thank God uh, Jack Fago finally, uh, you know, grabbed one and actually held on to it. Um, because if I watched us drop any more interceptions uh, this year, I mean, I, dude, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Well, it's, it's crazy, man, because this defense has gone from even against Western Kentucky and going into the, the second game of the season, this defense has improved. And I don't really think it's, okay, we're going to stop you. It's just bend, don't break, which is basically what we need with this defense. Because now – I feel like something that has come with this coaching staff is when they say they're going to do something, they actually do it. And you had Scott Satterfield come out last week and say, the offense is on me. I'm going to make those adjustments. And then he comes out, and I feel like he made a lot of adjustments and started running plays that he hadn't and went away from running that jet sweep to 2 2 well every other play and huh. actually mixed it up. It's funny, the play that we got the – that we got the uh, – the fumble on where Tutu fell on it when he actually was throwing the ball in that. Yeah. I told my buddy, I said, it's about time for us to have him throw the ball out of that one time. Because people see him do that. I guarantee you could get a throw back and get a touchdown. And then we get the throw off of it, but he falls down beforehand. And, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very impressed with what Brian Brown has done in the last couple of weeks with when pretty much everyone on Twitter, every coach on Twitter put the pressure on him and saying, that, <laughs> oh, he needs to go. And I don't know what adjustments he's actually made. Maybe, maybe it's playing more younger guys on the defensive line because I mm. feel like we are getting a little bit more uh, pressure on the quarterback. But I feel like it's helped the guys on the back end. Like Monty Montgomery's looked like a world beater here lately. Yeah, he's, he's looking like a first-round pick. I, I, I'm with you. Uh, we talked about this a little bit last night as well where we don't know what Brian said or did him in court. But it looks like to me – that they're giving more guys opportunities uh, on the defensive line and in the secondary, more younger guys, the future, and that they're also bringing more pressure rather than sit back in that 3-4 and not only rushing three. And even the times they do rush three, they're getting to the quarterback or they're pressuring the quarterback. So whatever he's doing, I don't want to jinx it, but keep it up. Yeah. 
Let me ask you guys this before you before you say something here, Biscuit, because we yeah. brought him up. Keetra Clark, are we watching one of the next? Oh my gosh, great DBs from Louisville, dude. Or is it just because we're playing against Notre Dame and Florida State? I think I'm, he's going to be one of the next great DBs because he's in the right spot. It's not because I people are throwing a, bad throws. Yeah, he's a true CD one, you know, and we haven't had that since Jair, and it's really nice to uh, nice to see him develop. Man, thank God Liberty is just accessible. Um, a terrible place to be, and we got we were the beneficiaries of that. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, he's the man is, is uh, playing lockdown the last few weeks, coming off the injury, and I just it's it's nice to have that, and it's it's a security blanket for um, for Brian Brown to call that defense. You know, being able to if you trust your DBs, he's kind of spurred everybody playing better back there. Uh, if you can trust the back end of your defense, you can get a little more creative with the front end, you know, and you can, you can bring pressures. You saw it against Notre Dame. He brought the cornerback blitz um, probably three or four times. Uh, he brings exotic pressures a little bit more now. Uh, he's not bringing the house, but he's just bringing pressure from different places. Yeah. Um, and that QB spy uh, with Monty, usually Monty, sometimes with Rajay, mm-hmm. uh, really helps. Uh, and he's especially with Monty, his closing speeds are ridiculous. That's what you need. But he, he just brings that late pressure where you can, as soon as he reads past, you know, he brings that late blitz with that with that QB spy, and it brings a whole other dimension to the pressure. But you can't underestimate how much better the defensive line has played the last couple of weeks. Um, and some of that has to do with Dez Tell and uh, Ramon uh, Perrier and, and a couple of the younger guys, I think, pushing the people that were in front of them on the depth chart at the beginning of the year. Um, but I will say I think that on both sides of the ball, the coaching staff has probably called their best game last Saturday, and I'd say Brian Brown the last two weeks. There's a difference. There's a, there's a, there's a noticeable difference. Yeah, absolutely. So, it was crazy in the Florida State game, man, is it seemed like C.J. Avery and, and, and as, as we mentioned, Keetra Clark were literally everywhere on the field. Like, as, mm-hmm. as much as Keetra Clark the week before – Felt like he was everywhere in Notre Dame. It felt like C.J. Avery was like, okay, he's going to get his pub in Notre Dame. Now we're both going to do this. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's, that, that is something that is also I feel like is going on is they're seeing, okay, this guy's playing hard. Now you got Monty Montgomery playing hard. You got C.J. Avery playing hard. Keetra Clark playing hard. Rajay Burns. Also, side note, are we the only team ever to have a linebacker returning to punt? I, I I think about that all the time, man. Obviously, Roger started his career. I never even thought about it. Yeah, yeah well, I feel like we're the only team to ever. Yeah. It, it, it strikes me every time he's back there. I'm like, do we have an outside linebacker fielding punts? But he was he was a he was a DB. LJ, I'm, you're welcome because now you're going to think about it every time he goes back there to field yeah. a punt. I mean, I can oh, yeah. I've seen cornerbacks and, of course, safeties and, and whatnot do it, but I've never seen an outside linebacker. So I'm wondering next year who takes the reins on that. Um, you know, Rajay has some sneaky speed, but I like it. I've never even thought about him being on defense, returning. returning. Yeah. Huh. Well, I mean, we got, like you said, like I said, he was a corner when he transferred in from Ohio State. Yeah, okay, it makes sense then. And, yeah, and they said, he, and they said when they put him at outside linebacker, he's playing the cardinal position. Is that right? What it's yeah. called? So they said yeah. it's more like a almost like a safety DB type thing, but they put him at outside linebacker. Over. Yeah. Yeah. So Still the other thing I, I thought that was kind of went un unspoken about because you had the defense playing so well is how much more poised I felt like Cunningham looked. I felt like he picked his spots and running the ball a lot better. 
Whereas before, he I don't feel like he was running when he should have, and then he was running when he shouldn't have. Uh, I thought his passes are starting to look more like they were last year. And I don't know what it was this year. He hadn't looked comfortable all season, really, until almost like when he – right before he got hurt in that Notre Dame game, I felt like he was starting to settle in. And then all of the Florida State game. I, I was going to see what you guys thought about that because he went 16 for 24 for almost 300 yards and two touchdowns. I, I honestly think it's, uh, he – like Brian Brown, he heard the murmurs. He read Twitter. Uh, a lot of people saying – a lot of people have been calling for Evan Conley since week two. Like Miami, people were like, well, I think we should give Conley a shot. Uh, I, I really People think, are silly. I really think he settled yeah. down. I really think he literally settled down and realized – well, B, if you remember, um, in 2017, Lamar would sometimes try to do too much. True. A little bit. He would throw some interceptions or just try to run when he should have uh, gave the ball off to whoever. But I think with, with uh, Mikhail, I, I just think it's just – him reading the press clippings and him, like, you know, kind of just trying to force the issue. And, and Saturday's game, he let the game come to him. Yeah. So I think he looked like – it was a constant theme in our, our podcast. He looked uncomfortable to me. He looked like he lacked confidence for the several – you know, and it wasn't so much the first couple of weeks, you know, that I thought that he got it, you know, together against Western and Miami to a degree you know, and at least had some success. But starting with that Pittsburgh game, you know, I feel like that shook his confidence a lot. Um, I mean, I've – I watched the offensive line very closely. That's, you know, that's what I like to do. That's what I watch. That's what I know the most about. Um, and I've just – it's been a while, probably the Houston game in 2016, since I've seen an offensive line get back just thoroughly dominated as far as – Losing, like, you expect even playing the best defensive line in the country, which I don't think Pitt is, but <laughs> even if you play the best defensive line in the country, you would expect to maybe win 25 to 30% of the snaps. Yeah. You lost 95% of those snaps. That defensive line. It was absolutely unreal. Uh, and Malik, well, Mikhail was seeing that pressure like that. I mean, it was instant. And you would hope that with his experience as a starter, that he would be more comfortable in that in the face of that adversity, but frankly, I don't know if anybody would have been comfortable there. Like that, that the pressure was half a second. It was a second. There was no time to develop plays, and I think that that hurt him for the next couple of weeks. And I don't know if that bye week was really a good uh, good timing for them. You know, like, honestly, like I at the time I was like, yeah, we need to regroup. But if your confidence is shaken you don't really rebuild it by, by two weeks of practice. That's just not how it works. So I, I, yeah. I, uh, I think that he was, he was seeing ghosts, you know, he was hearing footsteps and it shook him uh, to a degree, but I, it was good to see him get it back to a degree against Notre Dame. I mean, obviously the yardage wasn't there, but he went 16 for 19. I thought he looked more comfortable. Uh, he played within himself because the wind was so strong. There was no downfield passing game that day. Um, but then he parlayed that in to a really impressive performance on Saturday. Uh, I thought that his deep ball looked better. Uh, his timing looked much better. Like you alluded to, his de decision-making was 10 times better. He looked like the quarterback we expected uh, coming into the season. So I'm, that, I'm encouraged by it. That deep pass to Tutu coming towards the locker room, like that couldn't have been more on the money. Like oh, he yeah, threw that sure. as he was hitting that post route. And 
I, it was coming right towards me because I sit up there in the new section, and that was coming right towards me. I was like, oh, he's open, and the ball was already in the air. So I was like, yeah. he's getting it back. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He got his yeah, groove sure. back. And, and I think also, I mean, I think I'm not giving enough credit to what the running game did for him as well. I mean, when you have JV and Hawkins with 16 rushes, 174 yards, it's definitely not going to hurt the passing game because now it's like, okay, we got we to gotta make sure we, can't, we don't let this guy do this. And now you leave these, you know, two, two out well, you're dead Swiss Patricks. I'm still waiting for that breakout game of Justin Marshall. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe after the Waverly uh, video, which was awesome, by the way. I don't know how you guys felt about it. I love the Waverly. Uh, it was cool. I uh, was trying to figure out what was different about the uniform. You know, like, it was uh, it cool. Was, it, it was in Waverly Sanatorium. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, uh, like the the unveiling was cool, but I was expecting it to be like different than our normal black uniforms. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And I was like, all it is is just black. Whatever. It's cool though. <laughs> How much credit you got to give to Justin Marshall, though? I mean, how many people would go and do that? Normally, you see a guy nah, going in for that. For that, yeah. but he wouldn't did it himself. Yeah, I, that, man. There, I don't live too far from uh, Waverly Hills here on the south side, dude. I only like driving down that road tonight, so I'm, I'm good. I'm, I've, <laughs> I've been to the haunted house there one time, and although it wasn't the actual haunted part, we were like in the section off part. I I did not even like leaving the car and walking up that hill to go over there. It was oh, man. Any place where there's just death like that, yeah. thousands and thousands of TB patients died there. Like, I, there's – even if you don't believe in that stuff, it's just like – Dude, it made – it, it continues to make top ten list of most haunted yeah. places in the world. Continues to make it. So, yeah. I'm good. So, I, w- I wanted to ask you guys about a portion of that game that I don't really feel like a lot of people are really talking about. Um, and I didn't – I haven't brought it up to you guys yet. So, thinking back to the Notre Dame game, Mikhail Malik gets hurt, and you bring in Conley. But then we get a big against Florida State, and they put in Puma. Mm-hmm. I was kind of happy to see Puma come in the game, one, because I feel like this guy doesn't get enough credit for sticking it out, even though he knew he wasn't going to start and knew he wasn't going to play. But he came in, and they ran that play that they knew was going to get a touchdown for him. I was super happy, one, to see him get that touchdown, and two, to see how the team reacted when he got that touchdown. You know they didn't really give him credit for that. They said it was a run. Did they really? Yeah, unfortunately yeah. it was a backwards pass. Oh, they didn't man. give him credit. I, I, I put it in bucket that isn't that it was a uh, a touchdown pass, but it was credited as a run to 2-2. So they robbed him. But, I mean, it was good to see him after what he went through the last couple of years. I honestly was surprised that he didn't transfer. I was very surprised. Um, that's one of the most – it's going to be one of the most head-scratching stories we've ever had. Like, he spurned Auburn and Alabama to come here, and then it just did not work out. It yeah. just didn't work out the way we all thought it would. Yeah, and I, I'm i with you. I was very happy to see him get in there and get that, uh, you know, get that moment. And it's obvious. I think that the coaching staff was looking for a chance to get him in the game. Like, obviously, in um, crucial situations when we're – you know, in, a, in an actual football game, Evan Conley is number two. They made that clear. Um, but this might they might have looked at this as one of the only chances they might have for the rest of the year to get Jawan Pass in the game. So uh, I'm glad they did it. Um, and uh, I just – I wonder if we'll ever hear the whole story about why he didn't transfer, you know, because you would think a highly talented guy like that uh, would be looking for another opportunity, you know, once it became clear he wasn't going to 
to start here again, but I, um, I'm glad he stuck it out and I was glad to see him get a moment. Even I mean, you, credit him. You figured he at least go be a talent analyst for Nick Saban or something. <laughs> <laughs> you figured That's something that. Charlie. Yeah. It worked up a strong. Yeah. <laughs> so is, I heard the, what, uh, Marcus Mabel, is that true that Florida state is already trying to get Charlie strong down there? I wouldn't doubt it. I don't know why they didn't hire him in the first place instead of hiring Willie Taggart. Well, there's just no way in hell they can. And I hope hell doesn't violate your your custom no. policy. No, beef. I'm sorry. <laughs> Are we good with that? No, we're good, mate. <laughs> okay, I figure if I can say it on radio, I can probably say it on the podcast. Yeah. Right? Um, uh, you should have like paused a minute, sat home for a minute. Let's get. Oh, he is. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Hey, Biscuit, why don't you go ahead and get off the Zoom call, man? That's just. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I don't see like there. Just if people think that Florida State can pay two buyouts right now in this climate, in this, well, they were they uh, were calling for him to be their defensive coordinator. Well, okay, that'll work. If they're talking about Norvell getting fired, they're out of their mind. Like, yeah, they're already paying Willie Taggart, but. Um, yeah. No, like I, I can I can see that if he's willing to take a defensive coordinator job, then you know because really, frankly, the the same staff has become kind of the, the rehabilitation, you know, for for major college coaches. Um, and I, I think Charlie probably has his eyes on another head job, but you, know, you take what you can get. Yeah, I'm not. I'm just going to be honest with you, man. I I would not be opposed if Strong came here to be the DC. I, I mean, it's probably going to be an unpopular opinion because he's not cut like that, but uh, I just um, – I just don't think it would ever happen. It, it won't happen. Like, and, what, I think, and it has nothing to do with that. I, I mean oh, – Bobby, Bobby coming back, Bobby 2.0 ruined it for a lot of people. I still don't me. even think it's that, man. I think no, it's okay. – yeah, Jonathan I think it's the other, You yeah, know what? Jonathan you know what? <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I know what it is. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was sorry, like, man. yeah. No, I don't think so, that guy's ever welcome back Shout out to Mavado Watches, okay? <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Mavado Watches and, and everything else that involved. Shout out to JB in the blue group as well. Uh, sorry. I, I'll yeah, be quiet now. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, surely he knows. <laughs> I, I do know that, but I, I'm like, it's just, it's so much time has passed between now and 2014. It's just like, I totally forgot about that, and I'm not going to bring that up because I'm fairly sure it's going to violate some things on your show. Yeah. But, uh, like, you're not the only one, though. Like, people will do that on Twitter. Where they're just like, well, we should do this with Charlie Strong. And I'm like, bro, it ain't ever going to happen. <laughs> no. Just, and then they're just like, oh, yeah, what do you know that I don't? Apparently a lot. <laughs> Apparently yeah, really a lot. lot. <laughs> like, it wasn't like we made this up. He was named in divorce proceedings. You know, like that was happening. And the only reason why he didn't end up back in Louisville, you know, like, they said, oh, forget it. Like, we, we, we know the story. Yeah. But, just if anyone else believe, wants to know the story, it, just folks. Google believe it. I'm it. sure you can find some stuff. Google Jonathan Blue and Charlie Strong. Yeah. That's how you yeah. Got the Pat Moore as well. <laughs> so, this week, Louisville has Virginia Tech coming to town. We were just talking about the blackout. I thought it was funny, uh, your tweet. To, what's that today? Or yesterday about the blackout. Yeah, leave it to 2020 to have a blackout in the 12,000. Yeah. <laughs> it's so on brand to have a yeah. 12,000 fan in a 61,000 seat stadium. So, like Tom Farmer said yesterday, it's a checkerboard game this time. So, <laughs> I don't understand who – I mean, don't get me wrong, Louisville marketing is great. Like, we saw the video yesterday, but 
some things you just got to miss, and this is one of them. We don't need a blackout this year. Maybe yeah. a red out. Let's do a red out. That that would fit in nice. Or a, or a pink out just in that one section. Uh, so <laughs> there is one section that's not done yet. It's it's like a section, a section, and then like one part of the another section. So yeah. Can I just Which, say this real quick? I mean, it's not anybody that they can they can they can work on that during the damn game. It wouldn't bother anybody. You know what bothers <laughs> me the most? The three strike zone. Can we just get those the stripes to be white or something like they're gray? I hate that. I said I said in that section. So I, yeah. I yeah, I mean I see it. I, I don't I don't know what it looks like on TV. Does well, it look weird? Doesn't really bother me. It doesn't bother me. I just wish they would have went with a different color scheme. And uh I would love I mean I can't wait. We, this was supposed to be the year that section was supposed to be full. I can't wait until we have a complete sellout to where that section is full. Cause I yeah, I sit near that section. Uh, and just to see it on TV and to see it in person, to see it full and loud in that in the um, what's that the north end zone, I uh, I would love to see that. So thanks to COVID, we're probably about two years off from that. So <laughs> we'll we'll see. Might be giving it a few years. Yes, but it, so Virginia Tech comes in like like you said, uh, basically off a weird loss to Wake Forest. But what was also weird was they they had they gave up 129 yards rushing to a running back from Wake Forest. Which gives me, you know, it, it it makes me a little happy because it's like we may have we we have at least a top two to three running back in the ACC. I would say I would say Travis Etienne is is easily the best in the conference. But I would say yeah, Jamie Hawkins is. Yeah, I would say he's definitely up there at two or three in in the conference as running back. And now you face a defense who gave up 120. I think it was 129 yards rushing to a running back for a Wake Forest. So I, I wanted to get your thoughts on. Uh, you know, what do you kind of feel like the keys are for, for Louisville to get a win against Virginia Tech coming in this week? Well, um, you know, it's, again, Virginia Tech's just like the rest of the ACC where you can't really figure things out about them week to week. You know, like there's, there's times where the defense looks really good uh, and there's times where the defense looks completely inept. You know, they gave up 50-some-odd points to UNC. Um, Hendon Hooker is, has kind of taken that quarterback job the last few weeks. Uh, after being on the COVID list and there being some uh, tough, you know, Braxton Burmeister for being the quarterback for a while. And then Quinta actually talked about them sharing the job, which we all know that's a terrible idea 99.9% of the time, uh, unless you're Brahm in the fours. Um, but Hendon Hooker has taken that job in the last few weeks. He ran for 100 yards last week, uh, ran for like 160 the week before. Uh, he can move. Um, not much for throwing the ball, it seems like. I mean, they, don't have, they haven't had a whole lot of success through the air um, in the last few weeks. Like, it's, I'm telling you, like, you can't, you can't project what this team is going to do week to week. It's kind of like the rest of the league. But that's why I think it's so important for Louisville to kind of just focus on their own game plan and try to impose their own will um, on their opponent. Their, their, I feel like if they last week. I mean, with the exception of that 70-yard run to open the game, um, which was a little bit of a fluke. Not not too fluke. Like it was, it's funny. You, you saw him reverse field and kind of follow the boot action that Mikhail was already executing, and absolutely nobody followed him on. <laughs> JV had, uh, you know, clear sailing the rest of the day. But the rest of the day, he was still averaging like seven yards of carry, you know, behind that offensive line out the 70 yard run um that's the type of uh success we need to have like this was the 
the first Saturday all year where I felt like the offense in itself, the run was setting up the pass, and the pass was setting up the run. It was really, really, really nice, um, like harmonious. It was nice to see it working together. And then in step, the offense was feeding the defense, and the defense was feeding the offense. Like, you know, everybody was just kind of feeding off each other's energy. Um, and I think that that's the type of effort we're going to need to see on Saturday. Virginia Tech still dangerous. You know, I mean, they, they beat the hell out of NC State the first week of the season with – two dozen dudes on the COVID list, you know, like it's, they've got enough talent to hurt you and they've got a very talented running back. So we, we need to bow up on defense uh, and, and, and try to make them one dimensional. And you mentioned that uh, Hendon Hooker's had trouble. He threw three interceptions against Wake last week. Yes, he did. What you got LJ? Uh, you know, like this is, this is tough because I, I don't know. I don't want to say this, like I said, to discredit the win of last week, but I don't know exactly what we can gain from the Florida State win uh, because Florida State, like, they were a mess. They, like, they were such disarray. VTech's the same way as Bissy said. We just, it's really hard to get a read on them. I, I do not know um, what to expect this Saturday. Thankfully, it's at home, and thankfully, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of momentum going in. Even from the Notre Dame loss, it was building momentum week after week. Um, I think if Louisville can continue to contain a running quarterback and a hooker, if they can slow down the run, which they've been successful in doing, even though this guy that we're facing on Saturday is pretty damn good at running the ball, they have a great offensive line. I think Louisville will be okay. I don't, I don't know about it being a shootout, but I wouldn't be surprised if it went down to the fourth quarter. Um, that also can be said that Louisville may just be hitting their stride and they may go out there and curb stop Virginia Tech, which yeah. I hope so. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry, Biscuit's picture just. That's. Back. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't looking. I put down, but um, no, nah, man. Like I, I really, I, I don't know how to feel about this game, but I feel good if that's if that's if that's saying something. I don't really know what to expect coming into Saturday, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if Louisville won. I wouldn't be surprised if Louisville lost a hard fall game. That's that's yeah. just how I feel about it. I will say this: in my opinion, I feel like this is the last game that I could see Louisville losing of the season. A lot of people are saying that I do not overlook Wake Forest or Virginia or Boston College for that matter. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think if Louisville was to go on a run and Louisville was to turn this around, what are they, two and four? Yeah. I think Louisville has a great chance to run the table for the rest of the season. Yeah. A great chance. Barring yeah. no injuries, no co- no positive exactly. tests and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. I feel like that goes without saying, but yeah, that's, that's what I was speaking towards as well. I mean, Virginia Tech, like you said, that they've, they beat the brakes off of Boston College and come back and lose to Wake Forest. They lose. They gave up 56 points, like Biscuit said, to North Carolina. They barely beat Duke, and they beat a, a COVID-ridden NC State team. So, oh. I, I, I didn't really think about this, man. I mean, it is really hard to kind of figure out some of these teams until you really brought it up. I didn't – it is. It's hard to really project what's going to happen because there's so much, so many things – they are Jekyll and Hyde because of COVID that are taking players out in certain weeks and they're not out other weeks. And well, what was also, I, I may admit, what was wrong with Hassan Hall last week? He got, uh, he got hurt the second half of the Notre Dame game. And yeah. Um, was it, LJ, was it his uh, shoulder or am I thinking of the wrong player? I think it was, it wasn't a shoulder. That was, uh, that was Marvin Dallas that uh, had. Okay. Yeah. I think which, Hassan, he, which he was back because he played in the special teams. He got a tackle on special teams. I think I think Hassan 
either got his ankle twisted or maybe just a lower leg injury. Uh, I think it's a, a ankle sprain with him. I think. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, we talked about it last night. It was nice to see him get in there and, uh, and have some success, though. Absolutely. But yeah, Khalil Herbert, man, he's going to be a big part of the game on Saturday. Just uh, containing him, uh, he's one of the top rushers in the country. Uh, he was a uh, just. He, we can't let him between him and uh, you know running the ball. Got to contain them at least. Uh, kind of similar to Notre Dame, they have a very strong offensive line. Um, we have to kind of. Like we gave up 200 plus yards against Notre Dame on the ground, but you could tell it was never. We we prevented the big chunk plays, you know, and like you said, we bent, didn't break. Uh, it's got to be more like that on Saturday. You have to force Hendon Hooker uh, to make plays through the air to beat you, because um, I don't think if that's what it comes down to, they're going to have very much success. Hey, so I mean, it's, it's limiting what they do to us. I was going to say real quick on uh, Saturday. Real quick, uh, it was a shoulder. I'm reading it now. It was a shoulder. Okay, it was? Yeah. Right, it wasn't crazy then. Uh, it wasn't, uh, Yaya Diaby was the one with the uh, the ankle injury. Yeah, because okay. I don't think Yaya Diaby didn't play at all last week, did he? Uh, I believe no. And I, well, Biscuit, I didn't tell you this last night. We didn't talk about it, but I had no idea Trevor Reed had not seen the field until last week. I thought he had been getting in. No, no, no. He, um, he was on the participation chart, I thought, against – I know he was against Notre Dame. Uh, he got in at the end of the game. Um, he got in against Florida State. I thought he got in for a couple plays against Georgia Tech, but I might be wrong. Uh, okay. But he hadn't been playing meaningful minutes. You know, like he, he he had a couple of nice uh, – he got a little bit of film on him on Saturday, you know, more so than the other games. But, no, he, he's not a meaningful member of the rotation right now. Um, but he is, he is listed as uh, uh, Renato's backup. Okay. But he's not pushing him. So their defense, though, because we haven't, we've talked about how they gave up a lot of rushing yards against Wake Forest. Their defense is averaging uh, almost an interception a game, uh, and as well as four sacks. What do you think that does as far as Mikhail goes? Uh, I mean, it feels like we can get whatever we want on the ground, but it seems like they also have kind of ball hawks on the backside. Um, Go ahead, LJ. I just think, man, with Mikel, he has to be meticulous with what he does. I, sometimes he puts too much air into the ball. Sometimes he makes ill-advised throws. Uh, his interception rate has has still been great. I mean, uh, even last year he didn't throw a lot of picks, and this year I don't. I'm not really sure. I mean, he think he has to think about three or four. Twelve. He's got twelve touchdowns and five interceptions. See, I mean, he's still doing well. He's still with, within his average. Um, I think Mikel is becoming more of a game manager than anything. He's basically doing what all he needs to do to get the win. Uh, as far as Virginia Tech, dude, I have not seen them except for, you know, them losing last week. So I really want to give you some some insight on them, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So Biscuit may – Biscuit's watching them more than I have because, like I joke, I don't watch a lot of coastal football because, I mean, I'm, I'm loyal to the Atlantic, of course. But, uh, you know, I, I'm glad this is our last coastal opponent. Well, excuse me, next week is our last coastal opponent. Uh, before we get to like the regular Atlanta schedule, so it's uh, funny we we crap on the coastal and we haven't won a game against them this year. Right, <laughs> <laughs> we're winless against the coastal because I'm right with you, dude. Like we crap on the coastal and yeah, because it's just the boring part of this of the conference, in my opinion. At least in football, basketball the, it's good too. The coastal is just to me, it's like ah uh, yeah, Louisville probably could have been over there competing, but. 
everybody knows the Atlantic is where it's at. I mean, it's, it's, it's the SEC east of the ACC. Yeah, there you go. It's literally <laughs> Clemson and then everybody else. But I like to think that we're in the better part of the conference with the Atlantic uh, because Wake Forest is typically doing better. Florida State, whenever they decide to come back from the dead, that'll be great. Uh, Miami, every year they say they're back and they're not. Pitt has lost four straight since beating us. I mean, of course, it's just like, of course, like, yeah. but yeah, yeah, that's a question more suited for Biscuit uh, on the on the interception thing. No, I mean, well, with Mikhail, you know, he had 20, 20 TDs and only five picks all last year. So I mean, the the interception rate's up um, per per passing attempt. Um, and obviously, there was a what was it? Three of them came from Georgia Tech. I don't even remember. I tried to erase that game from my mind. But he didn't have any picks last two games. I think that he's regained that confidence. He looks comfortable in the pocket. But, I mean, a big part of this is the offensive line keeping him clean. But an even bigger part of that is having success with the running game. So they have to respect it, which was a factor that was missing against Pittsburgh. Um, it, a consistent running game was missing against Georgia Tech. We got some yards, uh, but we you know, the ball a few times and we just kept shooting ourselves in the foot. Like if we can open up those holes and have success in the running game, I feel like that takes pressure off of them. Yeah. So um, outside of this game, you know, we think football more of the quarterback he's been the last two weeks in the first three or four. <laughs> I thought he was done talking beef. I saw you. I'm like, okay, he is done. He's well, I'm sorry. I had to uh, – somebody was trying to call me. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll start talking to the make up for that, but then you start talking again. Uh, but My bad. No, it's all good. It's all good. We all get phone calls. You're just more popular than us apparently right now. Uh, uh, it was just my mom. Come on. <laughs> I'll try to give you credit. You're the one who threw yourself under the bus. Uh, I was trying I will to always throw myself under the bus, dude. <laughs> so – I, like I like I hinted towards just a minute ago, I feel like if Louisville wins this one, I think this is their toughest test going the remainder of the season. Uh, LJ, you kind of hinted towards uh, pretty much every team on the schedule except for Syracuse. Uh, but who would you say is Louisville's toughest opponent? What do you think is, you know, their projection going through the rest of the season? I think Louisville's toughest remaining opponent. Uh, I'll, I'll pick B-Tech as my – I'll pick B-Tech as a tough home game, and I'm – I'm gonna st- I'm gonna change that to Wake Forest. Wake, for whatever reason, when, since we joined the ACC, Wake has had our number uh, minus even that one game in 2016 where they were up 12 to three or whatever, and Louisville scored 30 in the fourth. That was a hard fought game until they just you know we they ran out of gas. But Wake just or or we or we cheated according to them. Well, you know, hey, if your radio guy <laughs> wants to hell with Wake, man. Yeah. If your radio guy wants to feed us tidbits, who am I to say no? You know, so um, even last year, man, um, I was in California when we were in, when we were playing that game, and when Evan Conley ran it in, I was like, okay, game's over. And I'm like, what? Hold on, what? What onside kick? So it's like Wake Forest, whatever reason, whatever they have our number, so they still scare the hell out of me, uh, and I'm gonna stick with that. I think that's our toughest remaining game with Virginia Tech being number two, and with Boston College being number three. I think that's about right. Honestly, I don't I, – I, I, I see Wake constantly. I don't trust them. I, I, uh, I don't trust the way we play against them. I um, I'm worried about that game. 
Avantech is right there. So uh, we have one of our hardest games down the stretch coming this Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Syracuse, man, I feel like they're a dumpster fire. Uh, I, I feel like we yes. can all kind of agree on that. I don't really feel like Syracuse is that good. And as far as Wake having our number, I agree with you, but it seems like we always still find find a way to win that game, though. Yeah, we find a way. I, Syracuse, ever since they went 10-3 uh, two years ago, Dino Babers, I mean, it's, let's be honest, it's really hard to recruit to the Northeast. It's really hard to recruit up there in Buffalo. I say Buffalo, Syracuse. So um, Dino Babers had to know what he was doing, and, and for whatever reason, it hasn't really translated on defense ever. So, um you know, I'm so glad we dodged the Dino Babers bullet too. Cause there were so many people saying <laughs> we should hire him. Oh my gosh. And I was never on the Dino Babers train. I'll be honest with you. I was on pretty much the same train everyone else was. And then when I heard coach Satterfield give that press conference, I immediately jumped on his, but yeah, everybody was on the Brom train. If we're being honest. Yeah. I mean, there were some people that weren't, but I mean, for the most part, we all were on the Brom train until he decided to stay at Purdue and, it hasn't really worked out for him. I mean, shout out to Brian for winning his first game last week. Uh, ever. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It just gave me a new team to hate. That's all it did. Yeah. Look, I, I you know, I was on the Braum train for sure, um, mostly because I thought the, the turnaround would be quicker with him. You would have brought the entire city of Louisville and the greatest crop of recruits that we've had in decades, uh, I think, to the city of – or to the university. But – I, I, I don't have as much ill will towards him as some. I feel like it really was a heartfelt decision. I think the main reason why he did it was because eventually he's going to leave for the NFL. Uh, he didn't want the U of L job to be a short-termer, you know. Uh, I think he wanted to do that to his alma mater, which is so important to his family. But um, I was a big Scott Satterfield guy for the time he, uh, he took over and the staff he brought in. Uh, I record as being a huge Dwayne Ledford guy. Um, I think he's one of the top five offensive line coach, coaches in the country. Um, and uh, I've liked what I've seen so far. I think he's a program builder. I look forward to seeing how we are in two to three years. I think the reason that it, it struck me so hard with Brom, because the situation you just brought up with him bringing all those uh, local recruits, I coached J.J. Weaver and more. So mm. – I, there would have been nothing better for me than to see a kid that I coached and that I'm close to in a Louisville uniform. Yeah. And, and now I have to do kind of like I do with LeBron, where I just cheer for him and hope that the team loses. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but like I want him to, I want him to do as great as he can. And like I still talk to the kid all the time, but it's that's I think that's the biggest thing, man. Is I I knew that all those players were going to come here if he came. I know. Not only that, like I think part of the reason in addition to what I said with the NFL, the fact that, you know, all those players that that he brought in basically said they would transfer with him, you know, and he didn't want to see them yeah. sit out a year, and he didn't want to do that, you know, like he just completely uh, ravaged their program, you know, and, and after only being there for two years. So all those factors, it, it hurts that we didn't – that we missed out on every single recruit in that class except for Aiden Robbins. Yeah. Um, but – and J.J. Weaver would have been amazing to have on campus, man. That yeah. kid can play. Yes. It hurts. Yeah. It hurts, it hurts really bad. It hurts, it hurts me. It hurts, it hurts me. Rondale. It hurts that yeah. we didn't get 
you know, uh, just the whole thing. What's the, I'm, I mean, I'm blanking. What's the kid's name from, from Cal? I thought that kid was going to be all world too. The wide receiver. Oh God. Oh. Uh, Man. Oh, uh, Milton. Yes. Milton, uh, Milton Wright. Is that his name? Yeah. 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 I thought you were talking about the uh, the offensive lineman that went to UK from Cal. Well, that's who. No, that man. kid was going to Kentucky regardless of who was he here. Was, yeah, that he kid, was. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that kid came out wearing a, a Kentucky onesie, man. That kid was always a UK fan. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. That's all I heard from the, the coaching staff over there. But um, Wandale Robinson was another one that I just – God, there's so many what, good players. I, what's funny, man, is I feel like it's something that's never really brought up, but I feel like you guys – I mean, you guys think that Wondell Robinson strictly committed to Kentucky so he could get Mr. Kentucky football? I think maybe. Like, honestly, the way that went down and the timing, Yeah, it, that makes – I didn't even think about that before. That uh, makes total sense. Because if you Cause think about it, man, there's so – yeah, there's so yeah. – like uh, the kid that they just got, they got the – Mr. Basketball over David Johnson played 11 games. Like, yeah. the kids, has the kid even seen the floor of Kentucky because he's still been hurt? Dante, uh, I who was Dante it? I don't even remember Vaughn? his name. Huh? Is it Dante Vaughn or something? Yeah, no, he'll never play there. <laughs> Dude, like, he, he went there after blowing his ACL in, in December and out of spite because they didn't want a Louisville guy to get it, they gave it to him. And, I mean, it. we see how it's worked out, so – I mean, it ain't the first time. Won't be the last. It really ain't. It ain't the first and the last. And I'm glad Wanda Robinson went to Nebraska and spurned the Cats. And it was like they they still hate him to this day, just like they hate Damian Harris, yeah. who went to Alabama over Kentucky. He was not loyal because he went to Alabama to win a yeah. Excuse me, to win. How dare you go to Alabama? How dare you go to Alabama and and end up in the pros right now as a third round draft pick? How dare you do that, Damian? Playing from playing from my Patriots. If he keeps playing like he is, he's gonna take over starting spot. Man, B, if you told me you were a Patriots fan, I might not have done this. I'm, I'm thing, sorry, what'd you say? What'd you say? I didn't hear what you said. What thing? <laughs> what are you getting? Are you disconnected? <laughs> yeah, what'd y'all well, say? <laughs> you said Patriots, and as an avid Raiders fan, um, well, you know, we got we got a problem now. The diehard Jets fan, I think I got the biggest problem. Well, I finally know what both of you guys normally feel like, so don't feel too bad. <laughs> Well, so there's no custom policy here. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I'm, I mean, I get crap for it all the time. It's all it's all good. I always here, – here, I'll give you my story on how I became a Patriots fan because that's the question that I always get is I didn't really have an NFL team. I hated the Bengals, and I hate Peyton Manning, so I hated the Colts. But I always liked Tom Brady, and Randy Moss was always my favorite player. Like, Randy Moss – I've loved Randy Moss ever since I saw him play at Marshall. So when he went to New England, I was just like, "All right, well, that's what I'm going to go with," and I've stuck with him ever since then. So you're a front runner. Got it. Absolutely, absolutely, 100. I'm, I'm a front runner. That's why I'm still cheering for him this year. Because everyone's Once like, "Oh, you're a Bucks fan. You're a, a, fan. You're a Bucks fan, right?" No, no, I'm not. I don't like cool. Tom Brady left and went to the Tampa Bay. I'm not cheering for them. It's not happening. No, leave that to Mark Ennis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Guys, it's time for the uh, Mike and Cheese rapid-fire question time. So, Mike and Cheese is a sponsor of mine, best mac and cheese in town. I'll, I'll got to send you guys their page because it's like my – he's like my brother, but when I tell you about the – I have my own mac and cheese with this mac and cheese company. So, it's uh, free – he does free delivery to Louisville and Southern Indiana. It's a, just a $15 minimum. Uh, Trays start at $10, but, you know, you can call them at 502-548-6845. Make sure you try the Pizza Mac, which is the, the Beef's Beef Podcast Pizza Mac, which has just started a 
couple weeks ago and tell them beef sent you. So that sounds amazing. Oh, dude, it's 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 white uh, white American cheese, mozzarella with pepperoni and sausage, and then you put some Parmesan cheese on top of it. Dude. So, so this uh, is a restaurant, right? No, it's actually my. Uh, he has a food truck, but okay, he also delivers. Yeah. All right. So where is he yeah. normally at? Or is he at different locations? Uh, he he sets he sets up different locations. Uh, he's on. He just got, he just got on Instagram, but he's on Facebook uh, most of the time, and he'll put out where he's going to be at. Uh, but he also does, like I said, delivery to uh, the southern Indiana and yeah. local area as long as you order at least $15. So All right. Well, I'll have to look him up for sure. It sounds good. Uh, so this is going to be the Halloween version of our rapid-fire questions today because, uh, you know, Saturday is Halloween. So uh, I guess the first one we'll start with LJ, and then we'll just go kind of snake, snake back and forth that way. So start yeah, with LJ. What's uh what's the best Halloween candy? Reese's. Just just Reese's in general? No, oh, I no. Thought he, I thought only had one. Uh, Reese's Snickers. Uh, no, no. I was saying like what kind? Of, just like the Reese's cup, just a regular one. Uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. Um, and also the um, no, the little mini ones. Uh, oh yeah. The gold wrapper, but the mini cups. Hands oh, yeah. down. Whenever I did go trick or treating back when you know I was uh I had to stop when I turned twenty four, but. <laughs> Back when I was trick or treating, um, that was always the first thing that I would like. You know, you separate the good stuff and you get the crap oh, yeah. candy in one pile, and then you just say, "Okay, the crap candy is the one that your mom's gonna take the work to put on her desk, and the good stuff's gonna stay home." But yeah, Reese's remains the goat, followed by fun size Snickers. Oh yeah. Which you actually, got I will go with. It's I love lots of obviously by my appearance, I love lots of different kinds of candy. <laughs> But Twix is probably my favorite. Twix, Twix, Twix. You cut right, out again, bro. What's that? I said you cut out again. Did I really? I haven't yeah, moved. I'm sitting on a chair. I'm just sitting here. I haven't <laughs> moved my hand. Well, we'll go, we'll go with you again here, Biscuit. Worst right. Halloween candy. Well, I said best is Twix, and also I'm a huge fan of sour things. So sour patch kids, that kind of that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, worst. Man, I hate candy, but there yeah. are worse candy. The little, I don't know what they're supposed to be. It's like peanut butter fudge. What is that? The little peanut butter black taffy, like the little black and orange things. You know what oh, I'm yeah. The ones, it goes along with those like strawberry candies. Like no one knows who buys them. They just end up in your pocket. Right. Somewhere. Right. Like, exactly. Who buys this stuff? Candy, like a candle. Like, they're not my favorite, but at least they're, they're okay. Those, those little black and yeah, I forgot I just about can't those. Do or, or, or almond joy either. I just don't grow. Like, yeah, I, actually, I, don't. I actually love both of those. I'll take. I'll take that. Well, see, like, I, I like coconut flavor, but I don't like the texture in my candy. So I hate coconut. So uh, mounds and almond mounds will always be trash. All right, LJ, starting with you. Best costume you've ever worn for Halloween, dude. I honestly, I think I went one year as the Karate Kid. Um, Not a boy. My mother bought me the actual, uh, you know, the white. I don't even know what's called. Um, Gi. Yeah, that, and I had the little thing tied around my head and everything, dude. So that was my favorite one. Uh, other than that, I don't really. That that was the one that stood out the most. So what'd you dress up as when you were twenty four when you went trick or treating? Uh, that's none of your damn business. Like you said, I'll 
All right. Uh, mine was uh, I've done several different Chris Farley characters. My favorite was Matt Foley. I uh, saw the picture, picture that, that this was week. so good. Hey, real quick, <laughs> real quick. Uh, let me. What was the costume you did with the wig and the green shirt and like you had the shirt open with your bare chest? We just called that. Uh, <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> that's probably my second favorite. Because it was just, I've got a buddy named Dave Freeze, and we came up with a fictional band called Fistful of Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and that was me in the, in the shorts and the open shirt and the wig and the aviators was, uh, was pretty epic. And the Fu Manchu, it was just, it was quite a, it was quite a look. <laughs> All right, Biscuit, so best Halloween party you've ever attended? Oh, man. See, a buddy of mine from high school, his wife, who was also a friend of mine from high school, her brother, like, managed properties downtown. And every year they would have just sick Halloween parties in either, like, um, uh, vacant, like, condos, you know, or oh, wow. one a couple times they had them at, like, Glassworks, like, Historical Arms Museum. Just... <laughs> He was in charge of like residential and commercial property, and there's just they had awesome parties every single year. Um, so there's that, those are probably the best ones. And just getting hammered in real estate that was just way above my, <laughs> my economic standing. What you got, LJ? Uh, my boy, a couple of years back, he threw one at his house. Um, and I hadn't been to one in a while, but I went as Ice Cube. I put on a Raiders hat and a Raiders jersey and had some. Oh, yeah. On, I went as Ice Cube. So how is that one not your best costume? That sounds pretty dope. Because uh, on the way out there, I forgot my glasses, so I was blind as hell. All and right. I was on a wreck on 71. Uh, there was a, like a stall car in the middle of the uh, uh, the, the road on 71, and it just it just wasn't a great night, but <laughs> I had one. <laughs> you all you're all over the place here man <laughs> all right so this one's i i'm ready for this one because you brought up you guys have brought up all three of these so are you guys familiar with the franchise sign and cut game yeah oh yeah all right so we're gonna franchise sign or cut these three candies reese's cup snickers or twix man <laughs> yeah and look, we're we're all three big guys, so this is gonna hurt one of all three of us at the same time. So franchise, franchise Reese's, sign Snickers, and cut Twix. I love the cookies, the yes. cookies, crisp. I love it. But this is you honestly could like those are like my three favorites. I know that's <laughs> that, that's why I said those three because those are my three favorite as well. You should have threw Kit Kat in there; would have been easier for me because I could. It's get, not could supposed to be easy though, LJ. It's supposed to be tough. That's here's really the thing: like I, I would like to. Uh, Go ahead. Can I go over the luxury and just put, just pay the luxury tax and sign? <laughs> Look, man, you're 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 not the New York Yankees, all right. You don't get to just sign whoever you want, man. Oh, so I got the Oakland A's budget, all right. So yeah. we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna uh, money ball this one. <laughs> I'm gonna sign Snickers and cut recently. I can't. Whoa. I'm losing. I'm, I feel like I'm losing you, man. Is this screen? Hang up the phone, man. <laughs> I, I don't I just, feel good about it. Like, I, I love Reese's. I love them. All right. Hate well, you, beef. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what I'm here for, man. All right. So let's move to the next one, Biscuit. Favorite horror movie? Uh, the Shining. 
Ooh. No doubt. I that movie I love psychological horror movies. You know, jump scares are, are are okay in the proper context, but I feel like some movies just rely on those only, you know, and there's no there's no substance to them. The Shining will mess you the hell up, and mm-hmm. it did at an early age, and I still love that movie. Man. Pet Cemetery. Ooh. Uh, it, what did you think of the new one? That wrong. The, the new one sucked. Uh, I was so disappointed in the new one, but, dude, uh, Pet Cemetery scarred me as a kid. Uh, real quick story. my We lived in South Carolina when I was a kid. My grandmother, originally from Louisville, came to visit us. So while she's in town, everybody's like in the family room talking to her. And I'm like, oh, what movie is this? Scared the hell out of me. I did not leave, but I was too scared to actually move. And I've been traumatized. Even now when that movie's on, I got to make sure my dog's in the room with me. <laughs> it's like, it still has little flashbacks, especially like when they were talking about her sister who had um, spinal meningitis and, you know, the role being stonier Lewis and all this other stuff, man. But Pet Cemetery scarred me as a kid, and it just stuck with me. So it's um that that still is the scariest movie I've ever seen. It's funny, man, because I I'm the second youngest of eight, and my older brothers oh, wow. were, ta- were talking to my to my dad about it one day of uh the movie I'm about The Exorcist is mine, oh, uh, the original well, Exorcist, and well, yeah, and so that movie is the same thing with like that's one of the only movies that ever scared me. Not to act like I'm a tough guy, like of course jump scares get me sometimes, but I just don't. I don't know. I know I don't normally get scared of movies unless I know they're a true story or something like that. Then it kind of <laughs> freaks me out. But it's yeah. like, oh, it's just not. It's not real. What and about the Conjuring? Then I've never seen it. You so never I'm, seen the Conjuring? No, maybe it's one I need to check out. Then, if that, so if you think that one will get me? Then, well, they're both based on true stories, the part one and part two. I think that'll be something to tickle your fancy, there, buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe I need to check that one out. All It'll right, scare so, you. It'll scare the hell out of you. Keep you up I, I, I'll have to watch it then. So. All right. I got one more to throw in. The 2018 season was a horror damn story for me. I mean, if you want to talk about it. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's... I don't like to talk about that. I didn't even know it happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've already blocked it out. All right, LJ. Like haunted houses or no? Um, they're not my thing. I'll go, but it, there's not been one that like scares me and makes me afraid. So. I'll go with the group. So I, I'm going to say, yeah, they're, they're fun. They're, they're something to do on a, before COVID hit, it was something to do on a nice night with a group of people and y'all walking through having fun, especially yeah. if you go drunk or something like that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, I haven't been to one since freshman year of college. And that was with a couple of other uh, freshmen on the football team. I think it was like Riscotti. I don't know if y'all remember Justin Riscotti, but wow, yeah. That's he, a name yeah. I haven't heard in forever. <laughs> PJ Tavarski and a couple other dudes. And, uh, uh, man, I don't know. I, I, they're all right, I guess. Uh, they've never really been my thing, though. Right. I'll be. I honest remember with being you. like six years old. They had. <laughs> I was on military bases when I was a kid, and uh, they had the haunted motor pool, <laughs> <laughs> and I got like just scared as hell and turned back around and ran out. So. What's funny, yeah. man, is I hated on them for the longest time, and then when I coached at Moore. Uh, when JJ was there, we took the team to the haunted hotel. That oh, made yeah. me fall in love with haunted houses because I didn't realize it was so fun watching other people get so scared. Like yeah. see, taking yeah, no those doubt, players that through there. That, that's the best part for sure. Yeah, watching someone that is legitimately freaked out walk through a haunted house is some of the most fun things ever. Especially like 
big football players. <laughs> yeah, I mean they were That's they were the basketball team, so the the high school basketball team, so they were all big big kids as well. So it was so funny to see. Like they got out and it was like we just got done conditioning. Like they were all sweating. <laughs> <laughs> it was so it was so good. All right, so this is the last one. Favorite Halloween villain? Ooh, like from a movie? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Pennywise, and this is mostly based on the original yeah. Tim Curry. Uh, he scared the crap out of me as well. Uh, I mean, obviously that movie is absurd in a lot of ways, but. Just the idea of a killer clown um, is terrifying to me. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm going I'm to go with Pennywise. I'm going to go with my old boy, Mike Myers. There you go. And not the comedian. Yeah, I was about to say, like, uh, like Austin Powers? No, nah, Michael Myers. <laughs> Michael Myers, uh, the guy who refuses to move at any speed other than his own, but still kill you in the end. Uh, <laughs> Halloween, I mean, Mike Myers is that's something with Pet Cemetery, dude. Like, will forever be scary to me. Or new, the new generation ones are just corny as hell now. But like, as a kid, that was the scariest one. I never was yeah. scared of Freddy or Jason. Uh, Chucky was just funny to me as a kid. I always laughed at him. But uh, nah, dude, Mike Myers, you know, the no expression, the mask, just like him walking around in a damn painter suit or yeah. whatever he's wearing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that was just enough to scare me. Come on. Nice. Well, guys, I mean, that's all I got for you. Make sure you plug your podcast and tell everybody where to follow you on, on Twitter as well. Yeah, we are the Crunch Zone Podcast um, at crunchzone.com. You can get us on Spotify or any of your other uh, podcast platforms. Uh, you can follow me at Biggest Biscuit on Twitter. Uh, go ahead, LJ. Uh, like what Biscuit said, we're on Spotify, we're on uh, iTunes, of course. Uh, Biscuit writes a column called Five Keys to Victory. It drops normally every Friday evening or every Saturday morning right before a little uh, football game. Um, for me, I write Bucketheadism, which is a recap uh, of all the little football games in the basketball season. I do another one, a basketball season, uh, a basketball game, excuse me. Um, we drop new episodes of our podcast normally every Tuesday night. Next Tuesday, of course, is election night, so we're probably going to switch things up. Uh, really appreciate the opportunity, man. Thanks for having us. I heard a lot about you. Uh, been kind of hearing your name for a couple of years now, so I was glad to finally get we, on. I don't know if you remember. We actually met. I don't know if you knew that or if you remember that. We actually Where met. So when I first met Mark Blankenbaker, I got introduced to him by my old basketball coach. And uh, we had texted back and forth, but we had never really met face-to-face. And then the first Louisville Live, I met – I came down there and I met him. And – you, I don't know what it was. You seemed so mad about something, but you just seemed pissed off. You had that pissed off face that you kind of have now. Yeah, uh, but oh, that's, uh, my, that's my resting okay. face. Right yeah, now. yeah. I had the same problem, so I, I get it. Everyone's like, "You okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, man. I was thinking about a cheeseburger. I'm actually really good." But yeah. no, uh, I mean, we got introduced to each other, and then, I mean, it was right there in uh, Sports and Social Club a couple years ago, Louisville Live. I'm glad you remember me. I have such a forgetful face. It's was it the first one or the second one? The first one. It was a. It was a very first. Yeah, one. that. Uh, yeah, that was a blur. That seems like ages ago, man. But no, it no, does. no, no hard feelings, dude. I, I definitely remember your face now, and uh, I definitely know where you sit at. So, <laughs> so hopefully next year, um, you know, we'll be able to have a full stadium or at least sixty percent 
capacity or something like that, we can get together. Dude, that's Louisville. I really does feel like forever ago. Yeah, it, man. yeah, it does. Well, yeah. I'll get. I'll go ahead and pump your head up a little bit, man. I was. I texted a few people that first message that I sent to you whenever I brought this up about doing the cross episode, and you were like, "Yeah, uh, you kind of seemed a little standoffish at first because you didn't realize who I was." And then you were like, oh, wait, you're Beef's Beef. I've heard about you. And I was like, yeah. I texted him. I was like, wait, he heard about me, dude. <laughs> so, like, so, like, as much as you all were saying, man, we appreciate that. I appreciate you guys coming on and, you know, you saying the kind words that you have and that you did in that, in that message, man. Because, like, the fact that I know that other people are seeing the things that I'm trying to do because I literally started this out of my own house. And I literally do, every, like, I reach out to everybody just like I reached out to you guys. So yeah, man, it's, it's funny you say that though because uh you you send me a DM as as your name and I'm like I don't yeah. know who the hell this guy is. some guy wants to on the show Bisc I don't know who he is and then <laughs> I looked it up I'm like oh he's Beast Beef okay yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah I've heard about you well I actually thought you were black because your your logo in the back looks like a black guy I mean it kind of looks like a black <laughs> guy so I went, yeah I went white face on there I'm sorry yeah yeah so I was like well <laughs> I was white but I mean definitely man we'll have to do it again. Uh, Looking forward to it, man. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. I'd love to get you guys on again. Uh, even though I joked in the in the message, you know, if it's if it's crappy, then I'll just delete it and forget all that message that we were talking. Uh, but, <laughs> no, we'll have to, once uh, Chrissy frees up some time when she's not as as uh, Biscuit says flipping tires, maybe we'll get all three of you guys on here. Yeah, we'll she's, uh, she's off with the Michelin man this week, man. They're, I don't know, they're, they're man. Like, she's got she's to gotta deal with Firestone. We don't really see her that much anymore. So, we'll, we'll, we'll get it figured out. Don't worry about it. Well, guys, thanks for taking time out. I know you guys are busy. So, man, I appreciate you guys taking some time and uh, doing a podcast with me. Yeah, no problem. Man. I just hope my puppy didn't poop again. Be yeah. safe, be safe, beef, man. <laughs> Wash your hands, cover your mouth, wear a mask, all that good stuff. All right, man. Yeah, I'll talk to you guys it. later. Have a good one, bud. See ya. Later, bro.